You're listening to the Sporting Hero podcast brought to you by Radio City Talk. My name's Matt Jones and uh, this afternoon's guest is someone who started his career at Everton actually, went on to have a lengthy career in the Football League as well as playing uh, many games for the Blues. On top of that, he joined the likes of Huddersfield during his career, Carlisle and Bradford as well. It's a warm welcome to Danny Cadamartry. Uh, great to have you on. As I say there, you started your career at uh, Everton and, uh, well, it must have been a, a great pride and great thrill for you to uh, burst into the first team there. Yeah, it was obviously um, a fantastic opportunity for me as a, as a young boy, you know, coming through and getting the opportunity after being in the academy at uh, Everton at the time and then, you know, kind of being quite well documented that I wasn't expected to be, to be playing and then coming to the team and then getting the opportunity that I got was... Um, the battle of the blue. So yeah, coming through that and then playing playing for the club was was amazing. How did you end up at Everton then? Because obviously you're not local to Merseyside. Um, no, I was playing district football for uh, Bradford Schoolboys at the time, and um, I just agreed at the time to go to to Barnsley and kind of uh, agreed everything, and then got invited down to uh, a trial this week with Everton by the older uh, youth development officer Ray Hall and scout Alec Owen. So. I, Kind of agreed to go down um, and, and play in this tireless week, which we we played against Manchester United and uh, playing this game did really well. Uh, give Wes Brown at the time the, a bit of a run around and after the game, <laughs> Look, we want to sign you. So I had to kind of give back word on Barnsley um, to, to to join Everton and kind of the rest is as I say is history really. So who were you playing with? Who was your age group at Everton? Um, my age group was. Um, Michael Ball, Richard Dunn, Phil Jevons, Jamie Milligan, Dave Poppleton, Carl Regan. Um, who else is in that age group with us? Uh, Leon Osmond was a year younger, but trained with us as a scholar, as did Tony Hibbert, um, goalkeeper Dave Williams, uh, Adam Eaton. So we had uh, Adam Farley, Wayne, Wayne McDermott, Mick O'Brien. Um, so we had we had a lot of players through that age group that. that successfully managed to play for Everton's first team as well. Mm. Well, that shows how successful a time that must have been and how great a time it must have been to be a part of that Everton academy because if you've got an age group where that many players are coming through and maybe not necessarily all being successful in the Premier League but down the lower leagues into the Football League as well, it shows you're doing something right. Yeah, definitely. I think we, you know, we were, I'm not going to say we were fortunate as a, as a group. We, we were a, we were a you know, we were a strong group of players put together, um, hard working, but you know, technically proficient. We had some, we had a mixture of a couple of out of towners, the Wolves, as the Scousers used to call us. You know, myself <laughs> and Millie and, and Dave Poppleton, um, and obviously our goalie. And then we had, a, you know, a good blend of Scousers that told us what it was all about being in Liverpool, which Evo and um, you know Michael Ball and Mick O'Brien and, and like Adam Farley, that was you know local boys as well. So. You know, we were we were a hard working group, and we we, we were coached and, and worked with um, to the max. So, you know, we had a great season and won the FA Youth Cup that year with that squad of players. And like I said, it wasn't a coincidence that that squad of players that won the Youth Cup all had players, you know, that that then got opportunities within the first team. You know, myself, Phil Jevons, um, Carl Regan, Adam Farley, Jamie Milligan, um, all made de- you know made debuts out of that age group. Obviously, Michael Ball and Richard Dunn didn't play as much in the youth, the youth team because they got into the first team a little bit, a little bit early. But you know, we, there was eight of us out of that, out of that first year as YT squad that made Premier League debuts for Everton. So it's a fantastic achievement, really. 
It really was. Uh, in terms of your Everton career, so you eventually leave in 2002. What what were the real highlights for you? Um, the highlights for me really were, I think, making my debut first and foremost, because a week or two earlier, I played in um, in the mini derby at Goodison, and there was 14,000 people there. And that was, at the time, the highlight for me as a kid, playing in the mini derby at Goodison in front of 14,000. That's like, wow, this is unbelievable. Uh, I scored the winning goal. Um, which was quite surreal, and you know, within a, within a few weeks, I was making my, my debut uh, at Goodison Park then against Chelsea in the last day of the season. So, the highlight obviously of playing in a resi game that had fourteen thousand people was great, but trajecting into the first team and then you know the well documented playing in the Merseyside derby, everybody talks about you know that game and that goal, um, you know, so that would obviously be up there. But I think the the, the, the real highlight, personal highlight for me was. With the Arsenal game that I scored in just you know it meant a lot to me. I just I just just lost my dad at the time and he'd not had a chance to see me play and he was an Arsenal fan. I was an Arsenal fan and scoring the equalising goal against David Seaman was just kind of you know for me it was a another surreal experience. Absolutely, I'm sure it was. It's Radio City Talk. You're listening to Full Time. Danny Cadamartri uh, joining me to pick his sporting hero. Uh, just before we get on to that, you on uh, then go on to play for the likes of Bradford, uh, Sheffield United, uh, Leicester as well. Some real great clubs on your CV. Yeah, some. Yeah, I mean, some great experiences when I left Everton, and you know, you've missed out my, my hometown club, Huddersfield, which is obviously where <laughs> I have. Um, you know, a, a chunk of my time, and had some of some of me probably my. My, my personal best success, really, of you know gaining promotion with the club and some experiences of kind of going back to my hometown club. Um, so yeah, you know, good opportunities at places like Leicester and Bradford and Sheffield United. You know, going to Scotland and playing in the SPL with Dundee United and playing Europa League football were all fantastic. But you know, again, um, playing for Huddersfield and you know staying in Yorkshire and playing for my hometown club was was a real. Um, you know, a great honour and a great opportunity for me, really. And, you know, again, I had some, some good success there. How proud are you of, of what you have done in your career? Yeah, of, of, of course. I always, you know, you've got to be proud of, of making certain achievements within, within not, not just playing, but within you know, within your life. But, you know, I, I can look at my career as on, on two, basically the flip side of, co- of a coin, you know, two sides. I could, I certainly know for a fact I could have achieved a, a, a lot more. Um, but, you know, again, for a young boy coming out of Click Eaton, to achieve you know, the, the experience that I did have. Um, again, you know, I, uh, I am immensely proud and to play in the Premier League and to play at a club like Everton, you know, with such a fantastic history and fan base and, and to effectively be, you know, when I moved to Liverpool and moved into Diggs to, be, <laughs> to become a, a born again Scouser was, you know, for me was, was amazing coming from a little town to such a big city. So, yeah, I'm proud of the achievements that, you know, I did, I did have, you know, and I have had, you know, playing for my country at, uh, 16s, 18s, and 21s, and, and that. But you know, I do. You know, I do think that you can always you can always strive to have done better. And you know, maybe there's, there's aspects of my potential that weren't fulfilled. Just on England there, and you mentioned them playing at junior level. It must be such a thrill to get picked for your country at whatever age. Yeah, of course. Um, when you start playing football, you, the one thing you do as a kid when you start playing football is you watch them. Of course, we watched the, the, the old first division and the Premier League, but we watched things like the World Cup. And when you watch the World Cup, you want to play for your country, wherever you're from. Um, you know, so I had, I had I was I was lucky because my dad was you know, West Indian and my mum was Italian and I was in, I was an Englishman. But I had 
I had a bit, you know, I had a bit of a pick. And my mum was Italian, but she had Irish descendants as well. So I was faced with a, a bit of a decision in life: which nation do I want to play for? Do I want to try and try and get into an Italian squad? Do I try to get into an England squad? Do I want to play for Jamaica? Or do I want to go and play for Ireland? And for me, there was no, there was no second, you know. No second thoughts about it. I wanted to play for England. I wanted to play for from a nation where I was born and bred and grew up. So, getting that opportunity and being selected initially for a camp um, was was unbelievable. And then to to be picked and to play and to go to a European Championships in Cyprus with an England 18 squad and play with some of the players I played with at 18s and 21s is, you know, again becomes a not a highlight of a career but a highlight of a life. It's Radio City Talk. Danny Cadamartry, the former Everton man, uh, joining me this afternoon to pick his sporting hero. So let's get on to your sporting hero. Are you going to go with someone from a football background? Um, yes and no. <laughs> so it'll probably uh, throw you off with that answer. Go on, let us know who and why. Um, I was never, as a young boy growing up, and I just spoke about wanting to play for your country and things like that. One of the reasons that I ended up deciding I wanted to play football was down to. You know, my all-time hero was da- was Daley Thompson. Um, you know, the Cathlon, uh Olympic champion, and I just loved the fact that he could do everything, you know, athletically and sports-wise. Um, and then I think the turning point on the football side of it was when he he pulled on an England shirt, and it was like an ex- I can't remember the full ins and outs of it, but I just remember watching this game one year. I was only really young. And, you know, uh, he pulled on this England shirt. He played this. I think it was more like a, a benefit game with David Thompson playing for England. And you know, he was my, you know, he's always been my sporting hero. I kind of followed in his footsteps through my my youth as a kid. You know, in school and still hold all the, the long jump and triple jump and shot put records myself at Wycliffe Mount and, and Hampton School where I went to myself. So, you know, he he was the he was the one that I kind of emulated and always wanted wanted to be like until I pulled on a pair of footy boots and thought, you know what? I can, probably do this as well Olympic gold medal winner in Moscow 1980 in Los Angeles in 1984 as well there aren't many people who uh, have claimed back-to-back Olympic gold no and and, you know again you know he was as much as he was a fantastic athlete and you know he was a his person you know the personality and the guy he was and how he came across and you know humbling everything that he did was just some you know someone that you know I always looked up to and thought wow you know what you know if you could if you could achieve Half the things he achieved, you know, as the sort of person he is, you, you, you've done all right. And much like yourself as well, he has inspired people like you and, and hundreds, if not thousands, of other kids to take up athletics or to take up sport. Yeah, of course. And I think when you're when you're a leading um, component in your profession, you know, whether it be you know, any you know any 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 profession, you know, but in particular sports and athletics in particular, which is you know, predominantly individualised uh, with, you know, the events that he participated in. Um, you know, to, to have somebody like him that's really pushing his, his industry and uh, but leading by example, I think, makes a massive impact on on, on kids in particular. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think just a, just a top all-round professional. Can you remember what it was like watching him when he was at the top of his game? Did, did you almost expect him to win every time he stepped foot in a stadium? Yeah, it was, it was just that... I think we have it now, don't we, with some of our, you know, top performers, elite athletes. Now, you know, obviously we've just seen recently with Michael Joshua, uh, Anthony Joshua, um, you know, recently losing his, his belt. And I think you see that with every top top athlete, when they're doing well and they're flying, you're expecting them to go in and just and just do it and just win. And we saw it with Usain Bolt for so many years. And, 
you know, I think David Thompson was the same same sort of kind of stigma that you just because he was that good, you just expected him to to go and win. And you know, everybody had in the back of their mind when 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 will somebody beat him? Who's gonna you know? And everybody was desperate to beat him. But um, yeah, you just kind of expected that you know it'll it'll be another medal, it'll be another trophy. Have you ever met him? No. <laughs> I bet you'd love to. I want to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it would be like if you did? Oh, I don't know because, you know, we talk about heroes and my footballing hero was Ian Wright. I know it's kind of giving you another little spanner in the works, but I was fortunate to to play in, in one of Ian Wright's last, well, his last game against Everton in the Premier League. Um, sorry, his last game for Arsenal in the Premier League against Everton at Goodison Park and he was my Arsenal um, centre-forward hero and you know, gave me a shirt after the game. I've got a picture on my wall of meeting him and that day I'd scored, that was the game I scored in. Um, so meeting your footballing hero at the time is you, you can't explain and describe the feeling, the sensation that you have when you when you meet that person. It's, you know, you're not actually lost, well I wasn't actually lost for words but it's just that 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 thrill of wow, this is Mm. I'm not used to watching this guy on TV now. He's giving me a cuddle and saying, well done. <laughs> if you did get to meet Daley Thompson, then what would be the one thing you'd want to ask him? Um, I think probably, does he does he feel in his, in his career, at the peak of his career, he achieved everything he could have done? Was he the best he could be or could he have been better? Did he feel... Absolutely. And uh, what a man he was in terms of his sporting career and uh, still is uh, now today as well. A brilliant man to have as a sporting hero and one we haven't had picked before. I always like it when someone picks someone who maybe you're not expecting, but also we haven't had before as well. So, Danny, great to chat to you and thank you for picking uh, Daley Thompson as your sporting hero. No problem. Thanks very much. Former Everton man Danny Cadamarchi joining me, Matt Jones, on the Sporting Heroes podcast this week. You can tune in live on Radio City Talk every Wednesday at 4.45. You can get us on AM 15.48. You can get us on your app, the Radio City app, or online or DAB. And on top of that, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll get a new podcast in your box every week.